Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me this week, Kid Presentable. Hey, hey. Finally also joining us, Lavender Gooms. What's up, y'all? Boys and girls, there were some fights. No one remembers any of them except a guy getting kicked with a spinning back. We went viral, baby. Spinning back kick to the fucking dome. Uh, you know it's a good knockout when you got friends who don't watch any fights texting you saying, yo, that dude's dead. Yo, what happened? Um, those who missed it, um, gentleman whose first name I've already forgotten, oh, Joaquin, Bar- Joaquin Barkley, Impa, Kasan- Kasanage. Uh, it's good that his name is hard to pronounce because he's not going to be want to be remembered for this. Uh, caught a kick um, from Barkley. Barkley did a spinning back kick right to the guy's face heel pushing through the front of his chin the guy was out on his feet tipped over timber he was done uh it was the most what was it i think i sent you guys this it's the most most retweeted most retweeted highlight which i don't know man we live in a world where maybe they don't retweet maybe because it's not a pay-per-view i was gonna say masvidal with the knee but the ufc Wants you to pay for the pay per view, so maybe there wasn't a highlight of that tweet. Um, cool as hell. Joaquin Barkley made himself a little famous. Um, Impa, I'm not gonna say his last name correctly, got knocked out silly. Um, I mean, what else is there to say, Marcus? The guy locked up knockout of the year, so good for him. Uh, I mean, what I would say is, you know, after seeing the knockout, I decided to go back and watch the fight. And, you know, basically what they're saying before this fight is, is it Buckley, Barkley? Um, that this guy's a, this guy's a game guy. Buckley, like, this is someone sorry. that I got it wrong the whole time. Buckley. It, it's Buckley. Yeah. Um, this is someone that they had their eye on. I guess he recently fought, um, was it Kevin Holland? Um, and in a losing effort, but looked impressive there. And, and my big takeaway with Buckley is like, this dude throws fucking heaters, man. He kind of reminded me of a little Melvin Manhoff, not just because he's, blacked and jacked but like the way he throws his hooks and uppercuts like they're clean they're in combination and dude likes to pull the trigger so uh i mean bobby like like you described you know not only was the kick fantastic you know one in a million um like you described uh impa actually had basically buck buckley had threw a left rear kick that he kind of grabbed onto and while he had basically as well as one foot was in the air he spun around doing a back spinning kick to the head and for anything to go truly viral you need two key components you know you need the strike to be fantastic damaging but you also need that good reaction and that's what we got here because like you mentioned bobby it was a twofold on the timber because what makes it even better is that his head gets snapped back and as his for his, his upper body's leaning forward the lower body's doing the timber so you get this motion of him going like oh he's gonna go forward nope he's falling was off. buckley celebrating as he was falling or was he already on the ground because buckley because it was a delay it was, a very was like he really just like Woo! 
Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can see him put his eyes on the back of his head. Oh, there you go. I was just about to mention. Let's not forget that the the glaze. And that's what makes it a a big viral sensation. It's not just that the technique was spectacular and flashy was, but if we didn't have the reaction of not the, the the two the two the two halves of the body falling in different directions, the eyes crisscrossing in the head, coming to that, you know, that thud, uh, that, that that's really what makes this such a highlight real thing. But what uh, honestly, when I saw that kick, it was spectacular. And I'm not surprised that it got all the, the retweets. And obviously, you know, she really put Buckley on the map here. But I really want to see like, okay, what led up to this? You know, what who is this fighter? You know, because he really put himself on the map. And what I saw was a guy that looked really fun to watch. Um, you know, look at I don't think all of his fights are going to end. They they Literally, I mean, that, that was possibly an accident a little bit. I mean, he didn't, yeah, he, he didn't throw it on accident. I don't think he thought it was going to go that well. <laughs> it was circumstantial, right? Because he had, because the way he was holding his leg, it allowed him to kind of be able to jump in the air a little bit more to, to get his hips and, and, and arc his, his leg in such a way that just landed perfectly. I don't think he'll be able to replicate that kick um, again, but it was fantastic, you know, and... I feel. I also feel a little bad for Impa because also watching the fight, they basically mentioned uh, Buckley because I guess he was a short, uh, short notice replacement, and I guess Buckley had tried to get some heat going with him. You know, he tweeted something, but I guess this guy Impa is just like, dude doesn't have a mean bone in his body. All he said after he tried to talk some shit was like, "Oh, I'm so thankful you took this fight. Best of luck to you and oh, your then camp." After it was over, me. after it was over, he was incredibly like, you know. You know, I yeah, fought, I learned all that stuff. He's a true yeah, martial artist. You could tell. Yeah, that's just the person he is. He just yeah. he just seems like a real stand up guy. But yeah, that that obviously was the big takeaway. But we had a main event that also had a spectacular finish too. So yeah, um, let's just get right to that because uh, did we all take Corey? Um, this isn't me talking shit. I don't remember who took who took Marlon. No, we split. Uh, I remember I took Marlon and someone else did too. I think uh, uh, I did. Yeah, me Steph took Marlon. So um, if you missed the fight. Basically, Corey got him with a wheel kick and then finished him with some strikes, but Marlon was pretty... The wheel kick fucked him up. Um, Steph, the part that was interesting, and I know you didn't watch it, but you know what happened, is that we always talk about Marlon being like an early round fighter, um, and he got taken out in the second round real early on. Um, I mean, I'm not sure whether... I mean, before we got to Corey Sandy, Sandy being a contender, where do you think Marlon Moraes goes from here? <laughs> Um, it's tough. You know, this, this is obviously the worst circumstance from him. Um, did it confirm whether he broke his orbital? I uh, did. Did he, did they confirm? I don't know. I saw that there was, injuries. I just know that Corey, Corey called was it out. calling it after he made the kick. And from what I, the, I saw the finish. And then just from when I read like, you know, a synopsis, post-fight synopsis, you know, uh, it seemed like it really backed him up and he was a little gun shy. Um, it just puts him in a tough spot. He's in the top 10, if not top five, but there's clearly some holes in his games. Um, he's still a front runner in terms of whether it's his stamina or whether he's leading the fight. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like he responded to the adversity all that well. If he broke his orbital, hard to blame that, him. That, that's right? what people are saying, but I'm not that's sure. A, I'm not sure, Steph, if they're just saying it because Corey called it out. But, sure, and you know, I'm not committing to it either. But it, it still sticks with the narrative that Marlon's a bit of a front runner. Um, he's got to get back to the table. Some things, basically, we've seen what he looks like when he can assert his will on a fighters, and we've seen him wilt as soon as that plan doesn't go to effect. Um, he, he basically he's a little one dimensional as it is, but he's a high level one dimensional fighter. Um, there's still a lot of guys who aren't going to get past him necessarily, so he's kind of just in no man's land. I, I didn't uh, like the news that he said he went and like he trained in um at top team because I normally he normally trains 
in a Jersey uh, boy, a Jersey with Frankie and uh, well, Edson used to be there too. I think Edson went down to Florida as well, but it was Frankie and Eddie Alvarez was up there and that team and. I mean, I don't know. I imagine if you train with Frankie I, Edgar, how do you have bad cardio? Like, like I, I don't want to critique him for that, right? Because we sometimes recommend fighters change camps, yeah, particularly I, when they're getting stagnant. I just, don't, I just he, don't know why. Like he was getting stagnant. I just don't know why he like what he thought that like. I thought this guy's biggest problem, and he kind of like is just he's not managing his wind well. I thought. I mean, my little brother was like, he looked gassed at the end of the first round of this fight. I'm like, I don't know about that. Um, but he, but. I mean, I guess we've got to see where he goes from here because this is – he won the Aldo fight technically, right? I mean, that was the last one he fought, I think. I mean, he did, and then Dana gave the title shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, honestly, like, it, we, I think most of us thought he won, but it was close. I mean, it wasn't like – it wasn't like he was a robbery or anything here. Um, but he's lost two of three then, and the one in the middle there wasn't so great. So we got to see where he goes from here. Corey Sandhagen, Mike. Um, man lost to Aljamain Sterling. Um, his first loss in the UFC and he had to bounce back and they matched him up with the number one or two ranked guy. Well, probably lower than that. Probably number three or four ranked guy in the weight class fucking smashes him. Um, Corey is next in line. He says after Aljo and Peter yawn, uh, after Aljo and Peter yawn fight, do you think he's did enough to just immediately, let's say Aljo pulls off, pull this off. Is he getting a title shot? After one win, fighting the guy who beat him in a minute and a half? <laughs> well, you know, considering Aljamain Sterling is the one that's the presumptive uh, number one contender, you never know. He may still jump Aljamain because that's just what happens with Aljo. Mm. But everything staying how we think it's going to stay, yeah, I think he should get the next title shot. I think he deserves it. You know, he's looked very impressive and... I mean, how many contenders really are there um, at, at 135 that really tickle your testes? It depends if Jose Aldo wants to get into the title shot, quite frankly. Marcus, what do you think? Do you think, I mean, we're kind of assuming, assuming Aljo wins the belt, which is not a fair, which is not at all a done deal. Peter Yon's incredibly talented. But if Aljo wins, Corey Sandhagen off of one win, can he fucking, does he fight for a title against a guy who beat him in 90 seconds? Uh, I mean, I, I I don't think there'd be too much trouble with that necessarily. I mean, mostly just that there is no other top contenders, right? This was, he just beat the number one contender guy. You know, Marlon was number one. What was Aljo? Two. Peter Yaw might have been three before that, before he won the belt. So it's like, you're talking about the same people. You know, it's a very small group up there at the top. And, you know, the Aljo fight was very recent. You're right. It would just be one win, but it was the number one guy that he finished in spectacular fashion. Um, I will just say, I don't think this was quite a, 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 a smattering of Marlon. I think Marlon looked decent. That first round was uh, very close. I thought, but you know, he sealed the deal with a fantastic finish. And I think that that gives you a lot of garner for, for getting a title shot. Um, you know, he got smashed against uh, Sterling. You know, that was a smashing. That's a certified smashing dude. Just runs you to the ground and subs you. That's a bad showing. He corrected that ship. You know, he had a he had a dance partner that he was able to showcase a lot more of his skills with. But I wouldn't mind them running it back. Um, you know, we talked about that fight that, you know, we've known for a little bit here that core has been a, a prospect and he's shown why we thought that. Right now, Marcus, I mean, this isn't locking you in, but Peter Yawn, Algermain Sterling, when they fight, who do you got? I'd probably go with Peter, but it's close. It's pretty much an argument of whether you think Aljo can get his hands on him, right? I mean, it's not that Aljo's inept on his feet. It's just Peter's much better. 
right. been very impressed with Peter's hands. And, yeah. and I mean, we've said it before. I think the uh, Sanhagen fight was probably his best showing, but I've never been a big Sterling believer. You know, I, a lot of times when I, when I, it, it's been that thing where I've never been super convinced of a guy. And I think the few times I dipped a toe in, he'd lose a fight. And it, it, that makes me even more hesitant. It's like, well, I, I took a chance on you and you did me dirty. And then, you know, the next five times I don't pick him and he wins all those fights. Um, but yeah. I think for me, I've been a little. I'm a little bit more impressed with uh, Peter Young. So I'll, I mean, right now, right now, I'll ask the rest of you guys too, Steph. What do you think? Um, as you know, I I, I I would say I was like leading the charge on our podcast in terms of the Aljamain's uh, skepticism. You know, uh, I think I said he like he's a guy who only exists on the internet. Like I forget how I said it. You know, just, that was basically it. He only exists on the internet. But now we all felt bad because he didn't get a title shot, and Aldo got it over him. <laughs> well, I think the the big critique of that fight was um, since it was like replacing a vacant title. I'm like both Peter Yawn and Aldo are behind Aljamain in the standings. It's like they were number like two and five, yep. and Aljo was number one. And I'm like, how come the number one ranked guy isn't involved in the vacant title fight? Um, but I'm on the opposite of Mark where he seemed like a guy who had a lot of tools, but he wasn't putting it together. But there were, he, he was capable at stand-up, but he couldn't assert his thing. He knew how to grapple, but he couldn't assert anything on the ground. Um, you know, when I, Whenever there's a prospect, the one thing I want to see is I want to definitively know what kind of fighter are you. When you go in there, what finish are you seeking? What is your avenue? Are you just existing? Are you just, you know... It's a critique like Holly Holm, right? You go in there and you shadow box. You throw volume, but you don't necessarily go for any kill shots. You don't go for any finish. It's more a happenstance, happy accident when you do get a finishing sequence. But to see him assert his grappling, it's the evolution I want. It's it's what we saw from Daniel Cormier, right? He he kind of fought Munson. Okay, there's stand-up in there. And then it was just a leap, right? It's like, okay, now he's, a, he's showing that Olympic caliber wrestling. Now he's showing knockout powers. You want to see drastic leaps in guys who are going to be championship level prospects and i felt like we finally got that in aljo so for all my skepticism i'm willing to go full speed ahead with him he's my guy i think he takes the belt mike your thoughts i'm not going to go as far as to say that i think he's going to take the belt i would like him to take the belt um well he's not at the joseph benavidez uh phase of of his life yet i feel like he has been around for so long at this point and you know outside of you know the random loss here or there you know he's been almost there either you know almost deserving of a title shot or deserving of a title shot you know just like stefan alluded to where he got leapfrogged by two people that were below him in in the rankings out for for a title shot so i would like to see i would like to see him actually fight and i hope he wins i don't know if he actually would against peter Young. So you have no pick. I like to stay like a blank canvas, Bobby. All right. I mean, when you said he's been around forever, I'm like, I don't think he's that old, but I guess we'll see. Aljo's been around the UFC for at least six years at this point. I mean, I don't know. He also showed up when he was like 24. So. He's 31. He's in his uh, competing prime. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm a big I mean, I've been tooting this guy's horn when it wasn't worth tooting. You know, when you know Brian Caraway made him look like a schmuck. That was... Four years ago, um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd lean his way, but I wouldn't be surprised if you just, you know, Peter Yan just box him up too. That's gonna be good overall, though. In general, let's put put that on the fucking books. Like, let's book it. Let's make it happen. I want to see that fight. Um, Edson Barboza, just a nice tough win over uh, Amir Khani. 
Amir Khani, honestly, gave him more than I thought he would. And I didn't really, it wasn't so much that I thought more so of uh, Edson. It was just that I didn't really think Amir Khani was going to implement the type of game plan to actually fight like that. Um, well, I think it, it, the, the problem was he didn't realize till the third round, like, oh, I can yeah. pressure this guy. I don't have to be scared of Barboza. Yeah. You have to be scared of him when you give him space on the outside, which is what he did for the first two rounds where he just ate. like. And what I liked about Barboza at, at Featherweight, dude's fucking fast as shit. Oh, like, yeah. His kicks are so <laughs> much faster than they were before. But um, it was it was uh, Marikani just like giving him way too much respect and not realizing until I think the end of the second round and then midway through the third, like, oh, if I pressure this dude, I can do shit to him. That's how Edson's lost a lot of his fights. It's he like, oh, I, I know how to grapple. Yeah, yeah, let me grapple. He realized that way too late, and, and he lost the decision. It was it was unfortunate. You know, a game plan shift could have switched and got him a very big win here. But you know, Edson's a tough out. You know, it's it's easy on the outside to be like, oh, just get into the pocket in exchange with this guy. What are you scared? It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that either. That's frightening. This dude's dangerous. But um, that was his avenue to win. He kind of figured it out too late. He couldn't. He couldn't capitalize on it. it was uh, nice win for Tybora over Big Ben. A fight that I thought was going to be really. It's like every heavyweight fight. If it goes past like three minutes, I start wondering what are we doing here. Wasn't bad though. Um, Big Ben kind of. I thought he didn't have the energy to maintain his, as Mark described earlier today, pitter patter for three full rounds. Um, Tybora just kind of stopped caring, started landing more shots on him. I looked to see if Tybora was young. He's 34. I guess that's young for this weight class. It kind of feels like with heavyweight, we're all just kind of waiting for John Jones to get booked. Yeah, I mean, this fight, it was shotgun versus sniper rifle. You know, Ben was like, and, and they talk about oh, Ben's ha uh, hands are so fast. Like, look at these combinations. He's throwing six, seven combinations. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's cool, but like, there's no weight behind these. He's not sitting on any of these punches. These are all arm punches. And what I'll give Ben credit for is, he throws combination. He likes to throw hooks into uppercuts into straights. You know, he varies his shots. But and I think a big part of his strategy is like, look at I'm 265 fucking pounds. I don't need to sit on my punches. One of these knuckles hits the chin. These guys are going to go out. But um, Tybura just wasn't having it. Dude, Marcus, his strikes were stronger. And, and I think he, he capitalized at the end of the uh, in the beginning of the third. Yeah. He got him down and just pummeled him. I thought that like when Ben does that weird like tap of a jab, he does. When he kind of rushes the guy, I'm always just like, so the goal is to get him against the cage, and then you unload some real shit. But then he never unloads the real shit, and yeah, I'm like he, waiting he, for that. <laughs> he's a very interesting guy. Like, he, and the stand up, you know, he's doing like these big arm stretches. Like, oh, am I going to throw a hook at you? Am I coming? You know, he he throws a lot of angles. He tries to confuse the opponent, and then you know he does pull the trigger and he throws a lot of punches. But I think Tybura found out like, okay, I can absorb. You know, my arms, I can block most of these. And I'll just shoot a strong right straight, nullify those five little pitter patters he got. So I think he beat him with with more precision striking. And then ultimately in the third round, he sealed the deal. He took him down to the ground and ground and pounded him out. And you know there was no question who won that fight. So good, yeah, good good outing for him for sure. Um, rest of this card is all right. I mean, look, this I think we said it. The, all these fight night cards that've been put together the last month could have really just put together been put together to put one pretty decent card out there. And, like, I know, like, yo, people are going to be like, oh, you know, nobody knew who this Buckley was, and he got a knockout. And I'm like, maybe if you made it so I cared about these guys, it'd be even a bigger deal. Just saying. Um, Bellator had a bunch of fights. Um, I enjoyed reading uh, that MVP blamed the slickness of the mat for his fight not being good. Or him, or him, you know, not winning by knockout. Um I don't know why they're fighting at 175 pounds. 
But okay. Um, and then Czech Congo lost a fight. I'm gonna let you guys guess the how this fight ended. What was the EQ by nutshot? <laughs> That's a decent guess. Another one. Decision. Split decision. There you go. Tim Cop Mustache Johnson beats Czech Congo by split decision. Czech Congo wasn't losing a lot of fights. Don't know who the heavyweight champion is in Bellator. Is it still Ryan Bader? I think it is. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Bader got his lunch money taken by. Uh, That's what makes it a little tough. But wasn't you know. even the kid. That kid was good too. We should not forget his name because yeah, he I fucked him I, up. I, I thought since he won at light heavyweight, he's the heavyweight champion. Here. I mean, you might as well. <laughs> you're like, what? You're gonna have him move up and weigh? And he didn't weigh like, enough, Stefan. Okay. If you weigh 206 pounds. That's why you can't technically win both belts because you can't win a light heavyweight belt at 206 either. What was the kid's name? We should talk about Honestly, he's really good. Is it Nemkov? Is that him? Like, the belt or light heavyweight champion is legit. Like, he's he, good. He's fit, he like Fedor's protege, right? He fucked up Ryan Bader. Like he's great. That, yeah. um, Bellator has a card this weekend, by the way, headlined by Miss Cyborg Justino. I always want to say her, say uh, Cyborg, uh, say Santos still. Taking on some poor lady who's 13 and 7. So. Yeah, that's a winning record. That's not too bad. She's done worse. Uh, we got Patricky Pitbull, which I believe, no offense to the man, but he's the less the accomplished. Lesser. Okay. The less accomplished <laughs> one. I think they both had the belt at one point, right? Maybe. I think they did. I, yeah, um, all the Pitbulls get it at one well, point. Well, one of them fought in Michael Chandler's weight class, though, man. And, like, it's kind of tough. Um, Leandro, he goes on that card. Sadawad. I, I, I just like Sadawad, man. I think he's just an entertaining fighter. Sure. I'm not going to watch this, um, but it's in Uncasville, Connecticut. So it's in the, they're back in the States after being overseas. Oh, that's that boony ass place. He tried to get me to go to. I mean, I mean, yeah, if you'd be willing to go there, you can go to a lot of events. That's I'm all, just, I think, I think my, they're doing all their state events there, right? We that, drove, like, Center? <laughs> we drove to Fresno and back the same day. And let me tell you, Fresno's gross. All right? It just, we got out of the car. I think Stefan said it to me when he said, it just feels gross here. And I Let said, yeah, that's a, fair, that's a fair description. Fresno is at least a city I've heard of. All right? Y'all at least got a D1 college over there. Uncasville sounds like a place where the clan has a chapter. Two-hour drive, Mike. We drove over, we, we drove, what is it, three hours to Fresno ballpark-ish? Yeah. I had to three, go pick these guys up. Back. I'm going to say three hours. I had to pick both these guys up. Okay, we drove down. We ate a steak sandwich. We watched Bellator. Stefan said we don't want to go to the post my press conference. Then we turned around and went home. At least you had had company on this misery. I would be making this trip to Uncasville by myself. I was trying to get you to catch up on your podcast, Mike. Although I do remember leaving Fresno. I remember saying like we're leaving at night. There's no traffic. I'm like, why is it taking us longer to leave? It's like there's some type of depressive black hole that (laughs) wants to keep us here. Like I'm like, why did it take four hours to get home, Bobby? Like, why did it take longer? That's a to fair leave question. In the middle no, that... of the night than it took to get there in the in the working day. I forgot the name of the place, but they had a really good steak sandwich at that place we ate. Just putting that. Yeah, up. and the, it's just uh, if if you're in Fresno and you see a basket of fries, that's enough for the table. Yeah, like it is a trough <laughs> of fries. We didn't all need to get one. That was the most French fries we have ever ordered in our lives. Um, but if you're in Fresno, absolutely get the steak sandwich and the fries. Yeah, look it up. I forgot the name of the place. Fresno steak, like the bulldog or something, That's something oh, like that. Something I figured it was the bulldog. The dog something. <laughs> yeah, it's excellent. Um, after we bash Fresno, look, it's just not a great place. <laughs> um, nobody's wearing masks. It's real hot. Everything's on fire. There's problems. Um, news this week. Um, I don't know what's going. I mean, it sounds like 
the UFC thought they were playing chicken with Conor McGregor, how he wouldn't want to take, fight Dustin Poirier after Dustin and Conor agreed to fight a charity fight. And then they're like, oh, okay, we sent him a contract. And Conor's like, cool, just make sure it's this year. And then he's like, I'm still going to donate 500 grand or whatever it is, or a million. Well, was it a million or 500 grand? It was 500. Dustin's big on charity. And he, uh, I think it's called The Good Fight, his charity. And I guess the money that Connor would donate, assuming this all goes through and they actually get to book this thing, uh, try to, uh, I think it was some sort of program where, like, the kids, if they, if they show up for class, they get shit or something. I forgot what it was. It was for underserved communities, school. I don't know. We'll see if it happens. UFC probably didn't think Connor was going to agree to actually just fight in real life, and Connor did. So now we'll see what happens. I, I think you called it when this whole quarantine thing happened. You, you said, like, they're not going to have Connor fight. When they can't get a gate, they're not going to have Connor fight. When they can't charge someone, like, half a mil to sit in the front re- seats, they're not going to have Connor well, fight. Well, yeah, because that way, when they charge for Connor fights, the amount of money they charge for that is absurd for the gate, right? Yeah, exactly. So if they got to pay, and it's not enough to just pay him. I mean, I think, let's say he may, let's say he makes, like, $10 million a fight for the sake of argument. It might be less, might be more. They don't clear a $10 million gate, right? But if they got to take all $10 million out of the Dana White, that's not just fair to him. The Endeavor cut, you know, the stockholder cut, because it's not just Dana White. Um, Let's call it Dana White, though, Mr. Seventh Lamborghini or whatever bullshit he's rocking in. Hey, man, they're paying, they're giving him like 2% of revenue or something. So it's, I'm going to go with the Ari Emanuel cut. Whatever. They, it's just, I get it. I mean, I, not that I'm agreeing with it, but that's the number. They like, we have, we have 3 million less dollars. That we'd normally give them. Exactly. I mean, you just it just it's just math, right? Yeah. Without a gate, that's a revenue stream they don't get. So they I have mean, to get all the revenues. Vince isn't brooking Brock right now. Vince right. isn't brooking Brock that, either. So And that makes know. sense, right? When you just look at the at the dollars and cents, it's like, okay, there, there is a revenue stream that they cannot capitalize on that they would capitalize on. I mean, because they're printing they money right now. They have no overhead cost. They are printing money right now, and let's not fuck it up, basically. If they're gonna sell over a million pay-per-views with some of these pay-per-views that they're like aren't that deep and they're paying these guys two hundred grand. You know, that's what it is. Um, I, w- I would like to watch Connor fight Dustin. I saw it once. It was a pretty fun 90 seconds or maybe two minutes. Do you guys remember how long it took? It was like 90 seconds. It was not very long. I mean, I think Dustin's gotten better. I don't think the result changes, but I think it'd be fun to watch. Dustin's an action fighter. Connor throws hard. I, I just would like to see him fight if he wants to fight. If he I would rather fight. the freak show fight where uh, he gets knocked out by old man Pacquiao. Um, well, I told you where that came from, right? We apparently the Manny signed with his uh, with Connor's management team, and they're like, "Hey, Connor, we can all get paid here." I mean, that's that's a good move by the manager. <laughs> Double dip into both those purses, baby. Yeah, that's the move, buddy. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao uh, signed with Paradigm Sports Management, which well done to Adi Atar, really building a some shit over there, man. He got you know just saying building a nice little agency. He's got. Do you think he's got uh, Israel too? I think he's got Izzy. So well done. Yeah, I don't know what other what else is going on. Um, people are talking some bullshit about Khabib and Connor fighting a uh, coaching tough. Like, well, Khabib said he wouldn't do it for five billion dollars. We we did we did get some verification on some hot rumors we had a decade ago that no one gives a shit about. Remember, John Jones was hiding under the ring. Oh, he was there. Yeah, Chael said that, and we're all like, "Oh, Chael." He he was he was hiding under the octagon to avoid a drug test, which he says wasn't for steroids, but was for weed. And I'm like, I am not believing anything you're saying about it not being for steroids. You have like three failed I mean, tests. For me, Bobby, in my heart, it's it's my like my favorite little Mexican girl says, why not both? 
I, you know, I think they're both in your system, John Jones. Um, there was like some hypothetical story I saw that interested me. You know, you guys know I've admittedly been down on MMA. I say fights. I don't really get that excited about any fights anymore. Like, I'll, I'll enjoy fights as I watch them, but it's just my fervor isn't there. But the one fight that would get me hyped was thrown out there, and by the man himself, and that's GSP. Yes! Saying that he's willing to come out of retirement to fight Habib, and Habib, who's talked about retirement, said his bucket list match is GSP. That's a fight I would really fucking love to see. Look, I mean, I will say this. Habib, I mean, GSP is my is my greatest of all time. I know there's no right answer here, and I I know I'm, I think Stephon's is Jones. I don't know what the guys think. The more unarrestable he is, the more drugs he do just shows how unbeatable John Jones is. I don't know, Steph. Did you listen to anything about GSP's actual quotes from this interview? Like, did you watch any of the video of him? Uh, I, I read some transcripts, so I just saw quotes okay. in there. So if you see it, you this GSP, MMA didn't deserve GSP. Like, GSP is just a good dude. And GSP's talking about Izzy like, Izzy's a perfect fighter. He does this, this, and that right. He's marketable. He's just like... And he talks about, yeah, I was scared every time I fought. You know, I was nervous as hell. I was scared of my of what would happen. GSP is so honest. And is the, like, I mean, part of me is like him fighting Khabib. This is GSP at still, he might be 40 now, I think. That sounds about right. GSP about 40 years old. It really tells you how early this motherfucker pulled the trigger on the uh, the release court of I'm out of here. But, like, anyway, he's not in his prime and Khabib is, is in his prime. And Khabib, Khabib probably takes it, but... Fuck, man, anything GSP wants to do, I'm on board. I am... I The sport needs people like GSP, and there's none of them. There's nobody on that level who's that good of a fighter and just that, like, just a martial artist. Just saying. But yeah, I mean, Steph, I'd love that fight. Fuck it. Let's do it. I mean, if Khabib's really going home, like, okay, let's do it. Just get rid of the belt. I mean, if GSP wants to win another belt somehow, it'd be cool. GSP well, wins a third belt. Do it at 55. It's very, very presumptuous well, that GSP would win this. Match. Well, I don't know. I mean, GSP says always that he GSP was 5'10. Yeah. I mean, he well, says he only, he carried, he said a lot of times, he said he only lifted weights for like marketing to look like, look yeah. the part. Stick with his knockout of Bisping, essentially. GSP is the living embodiment of Alistair Overeem's dream. <laughs> is that he can just keep winning the belt when he shows up, um, that there's got to be a belt. But uh, that's why Overeem's still at it, right? He said he believes he's got one more championship run in him. There's that last belt he needs to claim. But it would just be fun to see GSP. I think GSP, he said, for fairness, let's do a catchweight. You know, let's just call it 160, I think is what he said. But Yeah, like, it's, not like, it's not like Habib is that good at weight cutting. Yeah, and it doesn't really, to me, it's not about belts with that no. fight. That is purely a stylistic legacy fight that I just find super interesting. That's one of those things that'd be cool if it was for charity. Just saying. I mean, it's not going to prove anything. Oh, yeah, Habib will do it for those homeless people that he was giving a sandwich if they'd fight, right? Like that's true. Habib, Habib will was covering bum fights. That's his charity. Yeah, Habib will just the cut will go to Kadirov. That's true. That's uh, Stefan made me sad. Okay. <laughs> let's um. Let's. I don't know what else happened this week. I saw Benil Dariush donated a fight bonus to a Haitian uh, a Haitian orphanage when he, his when he got that crazy knockout. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, good on, good on Benil, man. Um, and Jacare wants to fight Romero, cause, okay. Uh, can I tell you about my prediction for that fight? They just look uh, at each other? One or both of them test positive for COVID. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's possible. <laughs> the COVID covers up the steroids. <laughs> um, all right, let's pick some fights. What did I say we're picking, guys? Besides the main event. The main and what would probably are, are we still on Fight Island? 
Are we back? Are we back yeah. in the states? Flash form is that Fight yeah, Island? That's yeah. Fight Island. Yeah, they're still there. Are they in Fight Island through? They're Fight Island for at least through Khabib's fight. That makes sense. Correct. Um, yeah. Um, we are we are being granted the wonderful fight of Brian T City Ortega, um, taking on Chan Sung Jung, aka the Korean Zombie. Um, a fight stemming from Brian Ortega slapping the shit out of one of Korean Zombie's friends. It's not cool. He waited for Korean Zombie to go to the bathroom, and then he slapped his friends. Noted rapper named Stefan, help me. Not, not just a friend, Bobby. Korean pop singer, rapper, megastar, Jay Park. I apologize for diminishing Mr. Park's Dude career. Dude did a mini concert at the T-Mobile store in San Francisco across the Yelp office when I worked there. Wait. Just to make sure, he actually is like a big time Korean pop star. Jay Park is big. Yeah, he's from Seattle originally. Um, he went over to uh, and he was in a K- uh, K-pop group uh, called Two PM. But due to controversial tweets and not tweets, Facebook posts, I think it was because it was it was some years ago. Um, he ended up getting kicked out, and then he became a rapper, and he still became a star. Um, yeah, Jay Park is very very big in uh, the K-pop scene. Well, so is Brian Ortega like persona non grata in South Korea then? Uh, you don't fuck with Jay Park, man. Cool. <laughs> he don't come in Seattle. Though, Brian Ortega's from the mean streets of Torrance. All of his friends are in jail. Um, betting line for this one's pretty close, actually, which is fair. Because, I mean, all bullshit aside, these guys are supremely talented. Yeah, I admit on the betting line, I was actually surprised at the favorite underdog dynamic, even though it is a closest line. But we have Brian Ortega as the slight underdog at plus 155 with a Korean zombie at minus 175 favorite. Uh, Marcus, why don't you go ahead and pick what order we pick these fights in? Okay. Uh, Steph, why don't you go first? I think I know who you're gonna pick. Oh, this one's obvious, and you know what? You don't get to pick him. You all, you all choose Brian Ortega. Zombie Train is here for me. Um, I rock the shirt that did him dirty in the payouts, but it's God, it was such a good shirt. Um, and you know, I don't pick against fighters. I own the shirt of Zombie is my favorite MMA fighter. Um, he's done absolutely nothing to disgrace himself in his career so far. Uh, all of my heroes have done something really fucking horrible one way or the other in mma and it's you can't have heroes in this sport the aforementioned bum fight sponsoring habib Nurmagomedov, my my lightweight champion of the last like several years um terrible person uh so stefan's just a bad judge of character i also have i have an anthony rumble johnson t-shirt so does stefan i have a velveteen dream t-shirt not red not mma but you know still (laughs) go ahead but um, yeah, zombie. You know, he did his civic duty. He did his military service. You know, he, he's he's a consummate uh, professional and just a damn exciting fighter. Um, one of my first live events of the modern era was Mark taking me to WEC to see Chan Sung Jung get robbed by one Leonard Garcia. In but it was the match that you know put his name out there. It, it made him a household name in this uh, sport. So um, been rolling with zombie for a long time. Most absolutely iconic, perfect walkout song to fighter personality coming out to the Cranberry Zombie. Just a all-around timeless classic hit song. Um, I fucking love Zombie, and I will never, ever pick against him. I found a, a picture the other day of uh, me and Stefan meeting Eddie Bravo back at UFC 117 in August 2010. Stefan rocking a Zombie t-shirt, me rocking a Dethrone t-shirt, and that people came up to us and said, do you work for Dethrone? 
No, we don't. <laughs> um, Stefan's muted himself. Um, Marcus. I just peel asking us for free shirts. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> then we got a free shirt. It was nice. Overall, worked out. Marcus, who's next? Yeah, so I will go next because uh, as Stefan likes to think he's the conductor of this train, he is only the engineer. Because oh, we're gonna go, full, we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna go four zero on a fucking fight that's minus one fifty. Well, you we shouldn't, Bobby. This is a good place to make some headway because yeah. I think this fight is really close. But but like Stefan alluded to, I saw um, Chan Sung Jung back in Sengoku, and I was immensely impressed. So lo and behold, me and Steph are at this WEC event, and I see this fucking dude come out. I was like, "Whoa, I know this fucker!" And I told Steph, "Like, Full now credit, that I know you, this." You guy. told me you're like, "This is a fight to pay attention to." You're like, "You're gonna like this guy. You're gonna like it." Yeah, and you're I, right. I, I basically I said like, "Oh, this is gonna be good. I know this fucker, and he has great fights." And you know that could have blew up around my face. You know, oftentimes when we see someone we really like and they have an interesting fight style, sometimes they it doesn't materialize. You know, they, they go to the bigger stage and they have to readjust and they look more for the wins. But that fight with uh, Leonard Garcia was fantastic. You know, he, he, he and he proved my point. He became an instant star that night. Um, and it's been hard to not like this guy. Um, he's definitely had some ups and downs. I think this is a really compelling fight. You know, we've had it on the books for like well over a year. But I think stylistically, these guys match up really well because I think it's easy to put Brian Ortega in a box and say, like, oh, this guy's a supreme grappler. You know, he's at his best, you know, when he's, when he's in the clinch. He's gotten multiple submissions from the clinch. But obviously on the ground, he's extremely dangerous. But I think something that somewhat gets swept under the rug is, like, this dude's stand-up is fucking dangerous as all hell, too. He has big knockouts over Frankie Edgar. And, you know, a lot of guys that you think standing up like, oh, he's not going to be able to compete with Cub Swanson standing up. He's not going to be able to compete. He's not going to be fast enough for Frankie Edgar. And he knocks these guys out. Um, I, I think the thing going against Brian Ortega in this fight is it is almost a two-year layoff that he hasn't been active. Uh, Korean Zombie has had a few more fights in there. Um, but I think this is a really close fight. And like Stefan alluded to, I'm even surprised the line is as far as it is. I don't think Zombie at, you know, minus 170 is – I think that's a little high. I think this should be a lot closer. Um, but I like, I like, uh, Cheng Song Song. I think on the stand up, he's going to be really aggressive. It's going to give Brian a lot of trouble. He's going to find spots. And on the feet, I know Korean Zombie's never been subbed. And I think you can look at his ability to pull off a twister and think, like, okay, this guy knows some jujitsu shit, right? He knows how to set up a very complex multiple step submission. He's not going to just fall into a guillotine or something, right? I think he's going to know his P's and Q's a little better. I think this is going to be a really competitive fight. I think it's going to go into the late rounds. I don't know who's going to win. Um, I, think, I think that's what makes it so interesting. But I'm going to go with Korean Zombie because, be awesome. like Stefan said, we've just been on the train for a long time. We're not going to jump off here, but this is a tough test. Yeah, so with that being said, uh, Mike, why don't we have you go and we'll round out with Bobby. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, this is going to be a great fight. Um, this is, uh, for all intents and purposes, at least for me, it's it's, it's a toss-up fight. I, I know I think Steph said uh, Zombie's like 170 or, or something. Yeah. Um, and because Mr. Mark picked the zombie this is the perfect fight to go on the other side because as you guys may have seen from the standings i went three and oh i picked up a fair amount of games on mr good job so what are the standings oh so i don't know because i haven't done it yet so so there we go but mike we went up at least two on me because i I got two wrong i know most importantly i went three and oh you know so so there you go Congratulate me, guys. One job. That's a good job. Three no. One job. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, Bobby, even though you told me and even though the listeners couldn't see you throw your hands up in the air as I call Mike for the third one, uh, why don't you round us out? Well, I thought you were going to end with him because I knew he was going to pick the other guy. But no, I mean, I I'm, honestly, I zombie was gonna... zombies already. I'm, really... I'm doing this. I was I was thinking we'd go two and two. But you're going to go with zombie. Uh, he's enough. Honestly, he's already earned a number one contendership. I don't know why this is happening. Like, I does anybody. I mean, look, him slapping that guy. OK, does no one gives a shit. I mean, maybe they do, but he's a number one contender, and they're talking about doing Alex versus Max again, where, look, I thought Max won the second fight, but we're at fucking 2-0 now. Zombie's the number one contender, and if Brian Ortega beats him, I'm going to feel a little bad, um, because I think he deserves a title shot right now. Brian Ortega versus Al Volkanovsky would be a banger, too. This is a basically a number one contender fight, all right? Um, unless, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know what we're doing with Max Holloway and Alex Volkanovsky. Zombie's a number one contender. Zombie's won. It's only two straight. But that other, the loss before that is Yair Rodriguez. Zombie had that fight won. Got hit with an upwards elbow to, at the end, the last second of the fight. I, I mean, his last, he hasn't lost a fight in like a, quite some time. I mean, the Aldo fight he lost. That was seven years ago. He also hasn't fought a lot. I mean, he's on a good run. He's not as like reckless as, you know, early Zombie was. He's putting it all together. Brian Ortega's really good. That is not to mean I'm that confident. Brian Ortega's an excellent fighter. Uh, Brian Ortega took everything Max Holloway had at it and just ate all of it. Got kind of gross for a while there, to be honest. Um, you know, but, considering um, considering your how you talked about earlier how um, the UFC is basically printing money with you know the way the state of how things are right now, you would think there would be less pressure for them to try and book you know like the most quote unquote you know interesting fight that would get the most eyeballs you know on on a title fight which you would think would lead to less pressure for them to you know push volkanovsky and, and holloway you know i bet it sold three p i bet whatever card it was on sold well i don't i mean look i thought max won the second fight but tough titties man it's two and oh i mean if we're, if we're booking third fights when there's two and o's give me valentina and amanda in, th in three months if we're just gonna book third fights when there was two close ones. I'm just saying. That's just me. Yeah, I got Zombie. I, I would not be shocked if he lost, but he's on a roll. Max hadn't fought in, was it, uh, Brian hadn't fought in, what, two years, Mark said? And that last fight was an ass-kicking. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see how he bounces back from that. Maybe he comes back stronger. Maybe he had a fight, really took something out of him. We'll find out. But it's gonna be a, this is going to be a banger. This is, this is another one that's going to be really good, I think. Um... We're not picking the co-main event of Cyril Gain versus Ante Delizia. Uh Cyril, I think it's a Gain or Gane. Um, that's someone to look out for, though, quite frankly. 30-year-old um, heavyweight um, out of France. Looked really good on his debut. Biggest sorry, uh, favorite on the card at minus 550. Yeah, he's 3-0 in the UFC. Got wins by arm triangle, heel hook. Won by decision in his last fight. Also a zombie card, actually. Keep an eye out for him. See what he does. Um, and, you know, we, we're not picking it because we'd all pick him. I mean, he's minus, what, 600, you said, Steph? Uh, yeah, around five to 600. High is as 625 on uh, some sites. He's a massive, massive favorite. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to see, man. French just France just made MMA legal, too. This guy coming out of France. Um, Jessica Andrade, Caitlin Chukasian, Gonna go one on one here. Um, 
Betting line for this one, Steph? Uh, surprising coin toss for me, in my opinion. Uh, Jessica Andrade at minus 135 to Chukasian's plus 115. So pretty live underdog in Vegas' eyes. Everybody enjoys Stefan's dog noises, by the way. That's just Stefan growling at us. It's it's it's, it's a dog. Um, I was trying to find this. I, th- I was trying to see if they fought already. Because well, it sounds like this is the type of fight that would have happened I already. I don't think they me. have. They have not. While Joe Kagan has fought a Jessica, it was Jessica I. Which a lot was. of common opponents, but yeah, never danced with each other yet. So what I learned about uh, Caitlyn Chukasian, uh when she got pummeled by Valentina is that she's fucking tough as nails. Just really, really tough. Jessica Andrade, last time we saw her, uh, got lost a split to Rose Namayunas. Before that, got just smashed, taking her title. Uh, Weili Zhang did. A lot of the shine has worn off on her. So we'll see how the guys go with this one. Mike, why don't you decide what, what order we're picking this in? Yeah, sounds good. Um, you know what? I will actually just go first with this one. Uh, no mark strategy for, for me on this one. I'm going to go with Jessica Andrade. Um, tough means absolutely nothing for me when you hit like a Mack truck like Jessica Andrade does. Um, she is going to finish Caitlyn very early first round. Uh, God, God damn. Okay. Yeah. Mark, why don't you go? Yeah, I, I'm also going with Jessica. And, and a lot of it with um, Caucasian is just like, I haven't, I'm not as familiar. You know, she got that title shot, and that was kind of like the first time I really took notice. And, and that's unfair uh, of her and, and me not like looking at a lot of the fights she had, a lot of these good wins. And like I said, they share a lot of common opponents, and she's gotten some wins over a couple of them that um, Jessica didn't. But I have, even in two losing efforts, I have been impressed with Jessica. I was impressed that she was able to to pull out a victory from the first Rose fight where she was really under deep water. And I was really impressed in the rematch. She really asserted herself a lot better. You know, she she looked like she was drowning in that first fight, and the slam just kind of saved her. Um, but she s- showed some good improvement in that second Rose fight. And with Caitlin, I just I just don't have enough to think like, it's like, okay, if she gets her, you know, is she going to be strong in the clinch? Does she have a, t- a strong top game? You know, I, I just don't know those. I haven't gotten a lot of looks at her and is not as familiar with her to be as confident to say like, oh, I think I can confidently sit here and say that she's going to beat Jessica when I was super impressed with Jessica's evolvement of her style in the last Rose fight. Because I think she really changed in that fight. There's a lot more head movement. I think the Wei Ling Jing fight kind of showed her like, okay, I have to improve in some areas here. And a lot of that was I need to get my guard up. I need to move my head a lot more. And I think that showed in the Rose fight. It wasn't enough to get the victory there, but she showed big improvement, which really impressed me. So I am going to go with Jessica. I think it's a tough out. And and a lot of my confidence in Jessica is just um, not knowing enough about um, her opponent. So that's not really fair, but I'm going Jessica. Mr. Bobby, why don't you take us uh, to pick number three? I say this anytime Caitlin Chukasian fights. She has one of my favorite MMA nicknames, Blonde Fighter. It's always makes me laugh. Good, every, single, every single time makes me laugh. Um, she's really tough, man. She got a brown belt on her Henzo. That's nothing to you know, fucking sneeze at. I've. I this is. I'm picking Andrade. but a lot of I've I've actually for me a lot of like the shine has worn off on her for me. And I was really impressed when Caitlyn came back from getting smashed by Valentina to get a split out of uh, off of the Shevchenko sisters, uh, getting a win over uh, Antonia Shevchenko. 
And it's not that Antonio's some scrub either. Antonio's a good fighter. Um, losses to Caitlin and Roxanne aren't, you know, bad, aren't, you know, anything to hang your hat, uh, anything to hang your head on. Um, yeah, I gotta go with Jessica though, former champion, you know, that's part of my logic, really my logic here. Um, I take it I'm rounding it out. Um, yeah, I, I'm going with Andrade, and I don't actually have that many reservations about it as uh, some of you have spoken to. Um, I think she is very much the female equivalent of another fighter you asked me about earlier, Bob, and that's Marlon Marace. I think they're elite top five fighters, but the championship level is just one level higher than they can get. They're still, they're really up there, but yeah, there's just that one threshold that maybe they're just not quite there. And that, that's what I think Andrade is. And um, to what you said, Mark, that's why I, I still believe that is coming into that Rose rematch, we thought she was going to get smoked again. And she absolutely made it a fight and nearly almost kind of took it, you know, um, in a fight where we like, we all, we all, we all saw this before. We saw how it was going. It was fluky that she won the first time. Like, it's not going to be an accident twice, but she really, really showed up. Um, she evolved what could be a very stagnant style. So um, I still, yeah, I still like a lot of, uh, I think she's got a, a lot of gas in her. I'll pick her in a championship fight, but I'll pick her in pretty much every other one. Hey, Steph, oh. you, uh, you kind of cut out for a sec. Uh, who'd you end up picking? Uh, Andrade, with no reservation, the one I spoke yeah, I mean, positively. I mean, he for cut out for like two seconds, but it was like two minutes of him going like, oh, I have no problem picking Jessica in this one. So way to be on top of it, Mike. I like to I like to make sure. I like to be 100%, all right? Because maybe he was trying to hit us with the okie doke. Maybe he was going to end up picking you, To be fair, I've done some okie dokes on you. And uh, Bob, you are muted. Yeah, Mike wasn't listening. Thomas Almeida is not. Thomas Almeida hasn't fought in two and a half fucking years. We were wondering what happened to Thomas Almeida. He's back now, baby. Um, Thomas Almeida, man, back in May 2016, all three of these guys picked picked him against Cody Garbrandt. Me, I picked him before Cody Garbrandt's chin just disappeared. I picked Cody Garbrandt. Honestly, I, I don't know what happened here. Jokes aside, uh, we all thought Thomas Almeida was going to be a murderer out there. And he lost three or four, and I don't know if he got suspended or he just Going- hasn't fought. Going into that Garbrandt fight, the thought was very similar to how when it was John Jones versus um Jesus, why am I blanking on his name? Um former dual champ from Bellator. Ryan Bader? Ryan Bader, yes. Very similar to the thought process going into that fight. Like look at these very two very young up and comers. They're both gonna be title contenders. You know, yeah, we all picked Draw Jones. Even even if we <laughs> even if three of us did pick Thomas Almeida, none of us thought like, oh, like there's they're both gonna be title contenders. What the hell happened to this dude? I, I gotta agree with you there, Bob. Honestly, I'm trying to figure it out because I'm like Yeah, I know he had he says he had eye surgery in 2019, but he fought in January of 2018. What I what I mean, did anybody did I miss something? Did anybody hear anything? Steph, you got anything? Um I have theories or nothing you can, you know, substantiate. Um just kind of monitoring the guy and the guy we were so high on. Um, It was twofold in the cage. It seems like his style kind of got stagnant. He became a little bit one-sided and predictable. It was kind of like the jury's out on him. He's a little bit of a front runner. Um, If you counter this range, like 
basically Garbrandt exposed his striking holes, and he never was much of a grappler. Outside of the cage, just from when I would see him in things and when I would, like, read articles or see stories. And, you know, this this is a point where I was consuming kind of a lot more MMA media, so we kind of were more familiar. He seemed like his head wasn't all there. He seemed like a young, brash kid who, like, probably parlayed his MMA fame into, like, going to clubs, probably meeting girls. He, he really seemed to be about that life, um, being the big shot in the uh, getting bottle service in the VIP room at clubs, you know? Like, so... I don't know how much his focus was there. You know, I think um, he was a, he was a young kid who had success fast and he wanted to live a rock star lifestyle. And um, the results just kind of got increasingly worse in the cage. Um, and now we're here. Only 29 years old though, man. Still plenty of time. 29 years old. We can still see what he's got. And I don't know who the fuck he's fighting. So maybe he'll win. Um, I mean, for you, we don't know who the fuck he's fighting and it's a close line. It is minus one Oh five Thomas Almeida. And the favorite, we don't know who he is, minus 115, Jonathan Martinez. Well, now I feel like an asshole. The guy's got like six UFC fights. But he, he knocked out Frankie Signs, too. This guy's not bad. I mean, <laughs> He's not a bad fighter. No disrespect. It's a little bit of a generic name. Um, doesn't really catch you. It doesn't leave a burning hole. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I think that was it. Um, let's, do, uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, uh, can I kick uh, start off? Let me go ahead then. Sure. Um, just because stuff I like this week is actually a follow up upon stuff uh, mentioned last week that I didn't like. Um, but we we've got that game of uh, Among Us going. You know, um, I was disappointed we didn't get it the first run, but we got it. We didn't get the full crew yet. We haven't. We still haven't gotten the full squad playing with two imposters for the full authentic Among Us experience. But um, even with a smaller group. And even having to figure out our shit, it's as fun as I hoped it was. Um, you know, it's just like it's why we say why we like the podcast. The dynamic of the game requires you to talk. I'm getting to talk to all of you guys at once, and it, it's hard to get that in. So it was fun. I've already learned so many things about people. I learned Mike went to law school, but his burden of proof is non-existent. You know. <laughs> Like, I would never want to see Mike as a trial lawyer because just accuse, accuse, accuse. Um, Bobby, I've learned what your tell is. Uh, when you're guilty, you talk more. You you try to give more explanation of where you are and what you did. You talk in more detail Dude, about things. I've been, I've been, in the, I've been the imposter like 60% of the game still. And <laughs> not, so, it's not helping uh, the cause. <laughs> but most credit because the man has multiple strategies. Every time he's been in the imposter, you tackled it a different way, except for the one time you just killed someone in front of two other people. Yeah, uh, I really... Our man, the champion of picks and the champion of Among Us, Among Us, is uh, my man Mark over here. Oh, yeah. um, Mark's a great liar, we learned. He's just an excellent fucking liar. As I said the first night, I was apparently best man at Kaiser Soze's wedding. I because <laughs> fucking sociopath. Yeah, Jesus. I'm like, I don't even know this man. <laughs> I mean, there was one round where Mark killed me, and then when Mark spoke up, I'm like, oh, look at this web of lies he's weaving. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, Bobby fell for it. Bobby believed him. Bobby didn't understand the directions, and he didn't realize Mark just lied there, but uh, Bobby was like, okay, you're good then. And like, Mark, Mark was great at the game. Um, yeah, so that was uh, fun, yeah. Um, yeah, but like I said, I'm just looking forward to the next time we get around. Um, and the other one I just wanted to mention this week, I mentioned it to Mike. Mike Goodman, he checked it out. Um, I discovered, you know how some people like watch reality TV, right? It's their junk food, you know? It's, um, it's their McDonald's, uh, as some uh, comedians say. Like, everyone's got that, right? I've never been in 
to reality TV. It, I just don't care. Um, so but I found you? out. I, I found out. <laughs> I found out what my junk food is, um, and it is uh, rom com animes. Um, and I watched a trash one, and you'll know what it's gonna, like. You can get it just by the sense of title. It was called Rent a Girlfriend, um, and I watched that shit in one day. It, I watched that shit in one day, and then I was happy to see it was greenlit for a season two. Um, but then, since it was greenlit in September, I'm like, oh shit, it's gonna be a year. I started fucking reading the manga because I need. I'm like, I need fucking more information after this finale. Um, I learned that the first season covered the first fifty chapters. There are apparently 154 chapters, so there is three seasons worth of material out there. So I got a lot of reading to catch up on now. Um, the main character is Trash. Uh, he 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 has a lot of incelish traits. Um, I don't think we're meant to take him seriously, and we're supposed to kind of realize he's a dumbass. Um, the subreddit, you know, they're all. No one can agree on who best girl is. Mike, but you mentioned during your comments to me, everyone can agree on who Worst Girl is. We all know who Worst uh, Girl is. Obviously, it's Mommy. It is Mommy-chan. Mommy she Lord. is um, Worst Girl. Uh, someone posted in a subreddit, there was a mojo list that was the top 20 Worst Girls, Worst Ex-Girlfriends in Anime History. And the title picture in this uh, thumbnail was Mommy-chan. Uh, but yeah, I, it's like, it's dumb, you know? Uh, there's a lot of kind of cringy stuff. But man, I found that shit addicting. Um, that's that's my trash. Uh, and yeah, I just I watched that shit in a single day, so I, I was clearly sucked in. So I'm just gonna continue on um, and do my stuff I like because uh, it basically bleeds right into what Stefan was talking about. I was gonna say rent a girlfriend as well. Um, I noticed Stefan, you really didn't give a synopsis as to what Rent a Girl is. It kind of explains itself. But I mean, yeah, like, uh, well, I think the thing I said to you is, um, it's by no means a mature show. No. And Mark, you've seen anime, so you can probably test this. Most slice of life, they take place in high school. They make them underaged. Um, in terms of how they talk about romance, it's so wholesomely innocent. Like, oh my god, we held hands. But this at least sets the story that they're all in college. They openly acknowledge like having sex, like masturbating and things oh, like that. And that is, oh. it's like, but you know, it's it's not edgy by American standards, but like for Japanese, like anime, yeah. that's far yeah. more adult than it usually ever yeah. gets. So um, that and rent a girlfriend, Mike, you you could figure yeah. it out. You know, way the host industry of Japan. way more scandalous than normal Japanese anime is. It is still extremely wholesome by American standards because while at least on the episode I'm up to, while Steph talks about, oh, there's sex in it. There's no sex in it. No one, nobody has had sex on this show yet. Um, and by masturbation, as you can imagine, they're not showing a dude whacking off, but they are showing him at various times when he is alone in his uh, in apartment reaching for the kleenex i mean uh the end the end animation it always ends with him picturing each one of the main girls like kissing him and then it shows a little wadded up uh kleenex ball getting tossed into the trash we all know the implications we've all been there um but steph told me about the show i think yesterday was it um and i was like I, I had been watching it for like five hours straight, Mike, and I'm like, I'm gonna text Mike about this because I've been watching this nonstop. And the, here, here's one thing that um, Steph has he has gained my whatever anime he suggests to me, I will give it a shot because after I ridiculed him at first 
for um, his pick on Food Wars. And then I ended up watching the show and it became one of my favorite animes ever. After that, anything he suggests to me, I'm like, I'm going to give it two or three episodes. Rent a Girlfriend, it sounds fucking ridiculous and stupid. Let me see if it's on Crunchyroll. Oh, it's on Crunchyroll. I'll give it a shot. And it's it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not it's good enough. It's junk food. It's junk. That's what yeah. I mean. That's why it's like junk food. There's just there's so like I said, there's cringy elements, and it's like uh. But then it's like, but I gotta keep watching. Like okay, if, I, I want to know what happens. If happened. it was a candy, it wouldn't be a Jolly Rancher. It would be like a Starburst. It's like Starbursts aren't the best, but you're gonna keep popping them in your mouth. It's a weird analogy. I, I rank those candies different, but we haven't done a top 10 candy thing yet. So, Well, you know, you guys have weird tastes. You know, we've gone over this before. You rank waffles ahead of pancakes, but we're not going to get into that right now. That, that, that does say it all, Mike. Mark, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, so uh, games is kind of light. We did play Among Us, uh, technically not a new game that came out two years ago. Um, and that was a lot of fun, but otherwise on the gaming front, it's been kind of light. So... I've caught some flicks and some of them streaming shows. So uh, I did watch all of, what are we calling it? The Haunting of Bly Manor. Is that what we're calling it now? Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I think the quick, unspoily synopsis to kind of compare the first and second seasons. Um, and Steph or Mike, you might be able to help me. What do they call these kind of shows that are different uh, subject matters? Anthologies. anthologies. Yes, thank you. Um, so this is an anthology. So you have a lot of the same actors and actresses from the first season going into the second season. And basically one of the reviews I first saw before I saw the show was basically like, it's good. And I agree. It's a good show. I really enjoyed. I definitely recommend it. Um, it doesn't have as many like scares as the first season did. I think this, the first season had a lot of like jump scares and there's definitely some of that, but there's not nearly as much. Um, I think overall, now that I'm actually reflecting on it, I think I kind of liked the second season more. I felt the story overall was just more concise and it just, the whole top to bottom meld a little better. And I think the first um, season, the haunting of Hill house, whatever the fuck they called that fucking show. Um, I felt like the last episode where they kind of, it got really disjointed. It was just like a lot of crazy, extra crazy shit was happening. And at the end of the day, I just like, I don't know. I kind of like the second season. Um, It kind of wraps itself up a little bit nicely, nicely. Um, And then I did catch a couple flicks. Uh, I watched clue. I haven't seen that movie. That's like a 1980s movie. You guys seen that one? Old Fashioned Clue. Mark, were you not with us when uh, old friend Christian did a production of Clue in high school? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, was, I never went to based any on productions in high school. Uh, so <laughs> Mark did not support friend Christian. Doing not, I was like, nah, that's all right. I'm going to see the movie too. 20 years later. So uh, that was my plan. So we uh, caught that and it was good. I never seen it before. So I thought it was quite fun. Um, I'm definitely a little biased for stuff before i was born i just kind of think it's all like 70s stuff it, you got it's gotta be a hard sell you gotta tell me like oh this shit's really really good uh, for me to jump on board so yeah i gave that a shot and really liked it and then we started but have not gotten very far into fargo the tv show i just watched the first episode um and i really enjoyed that what a fantastic show that i've heard a- another anthology series too where i think actually no it's different What's it when it's different actors and different stories each season? I don't know what they call that show. But that's what Fargo is. You can look it up. I have no idea. Anthology? Well, that no, that's what the other one was, right? 
Is it if you have the same actors? I don't know. Maybe they're both anthologies. Basically, yeah. every season in Fargo is different with different actors. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the actor thing matters. I think it's just an anthology. Okay. Yeah, way. maybe it's just another anthology. But uh, yeah, I only watched the first episode, which was a little bit longer. I think it was like an hour and a half or something. But it was really good. I really liked it. And I plan on going through the rest of the season because I know the current season with Chris Rock is supposed to be really fantastic. So uh, yeah, that's the stuff I've been watching this week. Um, I uh, discovered that Dark Side of the Ring is on Hulu. So uh, I've been telling you guys to watch these uh, episodes of Dark Side of the Ring probably for a couple of years now. Um, I know a lot of people don't have Vice because um, I don't know what service Vice comes on. Um, but it's on Hulu. A lot of you have Hulu. Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I've seen every episode. I think Mike has seen most of them. So, Mike, feel free to chime in here on which episodes you recommend. I think the Bruiser Brody one is awesome. I mean, it's awesome. It's a fucking 40-minute documentary that makes you sad that a guy got killed. But Bruiser Brody one was interesting. I thought the Benoit one, especially if you were any sort of wrestling fan, even if you weren't, but if you were a wrestling fan and remember how fucking insane that was, um, that was a two-parter that's good. And the Owen Hart one, uh, I almost started crying at least three different times on that one. That was rough, especially when... They're showing the goddamn overhead of the ring. If you don't remember me, what the show was about, it basically talks about negative things that have happened in wrestling. Um, oh, and the Brawl for All one is good, too. Uh, Mike, what do you think? That, the Brawl for All one was more almost funny. That Like, if there was... If there was ever a lighthearted dark side of the ring, it would have been the brawl for all one. That was yeah. more comedy than anything else. Um, obviously the Montreal screw job, obviously Owen Hart, obviously the, the, the Chris Benoit one, um, from ones from things that people may not know too much about. And by people, I mean much more casual wrestling fans like me. I really enjoyed the, what is it? The fabulous moolah. Oh, yeah. You learned she's a piece of shit. Yeah, I, I learned she was a horrible human being. Um, So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, it, it was very... Oh, the Von Erich one was sad as shit. The last that one the was, Von Erich, that one was, right? Yeah. That was, that one was yeah, real depressing. Really if you know anything about the Von Erich family, all of them died, basically. Um, I had heard Bobby before mention a guy named New Jack before. Um, oh. <laughs> and my first actual introduction to New Jack was through Dark Side of the Ring. And I realized... Oh my God, this dude is insane. Mark, ignore everything else I said. You have a Hulu account. Watch the New Jack episode. It's fun because Mike's wearing a durag. He, he's got a little New Jack. Ma, 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 right ma, now. Let me tell you, when we were kids. Full of props to hit me over the head with. When we were kids, Mark loved him some New Jack. And let me tell oh, you, Mark, D-Lo is all over the episode too. D-Lo Brown is all over this episode um, of New Jack. I feel like New Jack was like a real life gangster that no one told he was professional wrestler. Yeah, that's basically what happens. I'm here in this arena and I just fight people. Okay. There's like the thing where New Jack just throws a motherfucker off a scaffolding and the guy almost misses the ring because New Jack said, I was hoping he'd miss the ring. Like, (laughs) I swear to Mark. Just watch the New Jack. Episode. New Jack's the guy that's like, I wonder what happens if I push this person over the railing, but he actually does. Dude, there, there's like, okay, that's this is a little bit of a spoiler, but there's a part where D'Lo, because D'Lo's known New Jack for 30 years. D'Lo's watching a video of New Jack in a ring with a guy. He's like, what's going on here? Jack's got him. Has Jack got a knife? Jack, Jack is stabbing this motherfucker. <laughs> Jack, Jack is stabbing him. <laughs> it sounds horrible. But the New Jack episode is so fucking surreal. Yeah, I would go watch it's, the New Jack episode. After yeah, that, that, I was going to say, that's the episode to watch. The New Jack episode. The other ones make you sad. The New Jack one makes you 
wonder about why like, yeah, makes you like why did they let this guy do this like, you're like you're like man how are we all the same species because new jack is crazy i don't think they had a say in you i think i think they'd have a meeting to be like all right sam man we're gonna throw you off this like and new jack just walks in with his gun and he's like oh, what sand- if i throw him off the sky oh, he's like yeah, sandman's on there sandman's in there uh delo's in there Cornette, as crazy as Cornette is, he's good for history stuff. Cornette's in there. It is, uh, it is, um, I, it's hard to describe that, man. That is your pick of the week, folks. Uh, okay, step, okay, well, first of all, rent a girlfriend. Stefan's gave a real, rec- Stefan gave a real recommendation here. Okay. My other recommendation is watch the new Jack episode of Dark Side of the Ring. If you don't have Hulu, find a way, man. <laughs> right? Just find a way. What? I think me and Stefan are a little insulted right now that you would suggest that rent a girlfriend is not an, an actual suggestion from us. No, no, I'm saying it was. I'm saying Stefan gave a real suggestion. I'm saying in addition to that, you watch one episode of this show, you watch New Jack's episode. I very much put over your guys's show. Yeah, first. yeah, he put you guys over. He dumped me in the Bly Manor because I didn't give it raved reviews, but. I mean, I don't know. You, no, I'm, you just, I'm, just you, I'm just messing well, with you. Well, honestly, I'm waiting for all of us to watch. Everybody tells me how good Fargo is, and I have like, I love the movie, and I've never given the show a shot. You should, and I did not know it's a different thing every every season. Yeah. And, and they get they get they get good actors too. Like these are like good guys. You've seen these guys, you know, Billy Bob Thornton. He's doing a TV show now. Who knew? I had yeah. meant to uh, start Bly Manor. I was wait. I was waiting till nighttime. You know, like let's let's the set the mood. Little spookies. Um, I really loved the first season. I agree. The ending was well, a little messed there. up. Um, Hill House. It hit really close to home since it dealt with very damaged and traumatized uh, pack of siblings um, based on their upbringings. Um, and that hit close for my whole family. It was kind of a weird cathartic experience to talk about with my sisters and brother that season in particular. Um, largely I'd heard this season. Um, I think a lot of people said that maybe the first season is better, but this is still good. Um, so that's all I needed to hear. I, I so I meant to watch uh, start Bly Manor, but uh, I saw I had enough cookie dough in my fridge to make three cookies. So I made a little triangle cookies, and I'm like, okay, I don't have the time for a full episode of Blind Manor right now. And this is how we stumbled on Rent a Girlfriend. I'm hey, like, I need, I need something accident. 20 minutes short and sweet. And then next thing I know, one of my cookies is burnt because I'm watching too many damn episodes. But uh, no regrets. You know, I still have my cookies, but I do mean to start Blind Manor this week. Sure. Mark, I mean, uh, Stefan, did you catch Mike just accuse me of some shit right there that I didn't even do? Oh, just I was nothing just at all. In, uh, you, you called it Rent a Girl, and I just want to say it's not that crass. It's Rent a Girlfriend. I said Rent, I said rent a Girlfriend, didn't I? Uh, it just. It reminds me, because uh, part of it reminded me is one of my favorite sketches is when uh, Conan O'Brien goes to Japan and he does this. He rents a girlfriend, he rents a dad, he rents a mom, he rents a whole family. Uh, you know, and um, it's a thing in Japan. It's fucking funny. Um, ben Affleck did it in a movie one time. It was not a good movie. He rented a family for Christmas. It was, again, not good. Really? Not, it was terrible. God, uh, Affleck made some bad movies. <laughs> ben Affleck, I, I normally like him, but I will admit to a little bit of envy. Um, his car- girlfriend is Anna de Armas, um, and Ben Affleck is winning. They resurrected him for the Snyder Cut. He got the it girl of the moment in Hollywood. Um, ben Affleck is living a very charmed life. Um. All right. Um. I think that was it. I had something else and I already forgot. Staff and I finished the boys. We'll talk about it eventually. You guys, don't rush.
You finish it when you finish it. After after I hit stop recording, me and stuff are going to have a brief two minutes about this show. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, all right, guys. We'll be back next week. Are we picking a pay-per-view next weekend? Is that is yes, finally there? It's a big boy. It's a big boy car. There's good fights we on that one. There. Yeah, they want money from people. They don't get ours, but they want money from people. <laughs> I am the internet generation. Um, you keep, you know what, man? How many people you guys want to donate to Trump? You can have at it, buddy. You can talk at as many conventions as you want. Khabib and Gaethje, Cannoneer and Whitaker. Woo! That second one, man. I love Bobby Knuckles, but for the good of the vision, he might need to lose that. Walt Harris, Alexander Volkov. Nobody wants to fight Islam Makachev. Nobody. They've been trying all week. He's too good because no one knows who he is, and you don't want to get your ass thrown in the air like a pizza pie. And that what happens when you face Islam Makachev. Um, Cynthia Calvillo, Lauren Murphy. Is this a six-fight main card? Mm-hmm. A... Don't and forget. Maga. Seventh time's the charm for the That's rematch. That's why it's a... <laughs> for the rematch that no one asked for. So this is a five-fight main card, folks. When one of these gentlemen is it always Kuti Lava that gets tested? That's positive for COVID. It has to be between the two of them. There has to be some split. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think Kuti Lava doesn't look at his life and says, "Maybe there's something I'm doing when I'm running into the certain certain people." It's not me. It's the children that are wrong. Yeah, just to make sure they they really scheduled another six-fight main card. Mike, it's the pay per view. It starts at 11 a.m. Pacific time. The pay. Yeah, get some oh, coffee, okay. baby. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. All right. All right. That is the one where I'm making a big. I'm making myself a big omelet. Maybe some French. I'm not French toast. I'm, I don't know. I'm put that much effort into it. Maybe some regular toast and a just a pot of coffee, and I will drink all and eat all that. I have a good feeling I'll be able to stay awake for this whole card. Stefan Struve versus Tai Tuivasa. I'm thinking MMA Junkie is not accurate because I thought Tai Tuivasa got cut because I thought he confirmed it too. We'll see who shows up, folks. Like with all these cards now in the COVID era. Whoever shows up fights. Maybe Michael Chandler will fight. Maybe he won't. He probably won't. But I would like to see it. Um, all right. Um, boys and girls, uh, we'll see y'all next week. We'll make picks for that pay-per-view. We'll see who the number one contender in the featherweight division is. Is it going to be the Korean Zombie? Is it going to be T-City Ortega? One of them has a Modelo commercial. The other one has a friend that's been slapped. We'll see what happens. See, that was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. See y'all next week. See ya. Peace out. Cheers. Peace.